Okay, now for the extra bits and boblingtons. Lovely. So, your five favourite albums then, Mike, how would you like to, to do this? Would you like to sort of like go one by one and explain or or, or what? I mean, yeah. Yeah, how about we count down? We'll, we'll count down from five to one and we'll... Uh, I can give a little bit of a bit of context. Okay, go, go on then. So what would your number five be? I've got a list of five I've got down and I'm gonna see if I don't think I don't think any of them are going to match with your five actually, but we'll see. Maybe. So so number five, obviously we've talked quite a bit on the main podcast about my my love of Queen. Yep. So number five is obviously my fav- favourite Queen album, which we discussed a little bit there, uh, Sheer Heart Attack. Yep. Yep. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, and like I say, I know we talked about that quite a bit, didn't we? But I think it's just you know, just just to recap for anyone who's maybe listened to this before, listening to the main one or, or anything like that. I think it's just for me, it's the quintessential Queen album. If someone says to me, "Why do you love Queen?" I'm sending you in the direction of Sheer Heart Attack, and 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 that's that. It's just a from start to finish, just a phenomenal album. Well, you've 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 got. You've got the first instance of material provided by all four members on there as well. Yeah, that's true because John Deegan does uh, does misfire on that album, so yeah. it's a real true reflection of like the whole band. Um, I think she makes me, which is Brian's kind of big contribution. I think that's a very underrated song. Uh, so do you know, I. I've, I've, yeah. I've read some kind of critical stuff of that, and I just think sod off. <laughs> I just think it's great. It's and a beautiful kind of, song. It is. And then Tenement Funster by Roger Taylor's like ooh, that that's perfect. quintessential Roger. That is yeah, that's, exactly. that, that is Roger to a T, that song. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh but then again, you know, as well as that, you know, you've also got you've got the uh, oh, the incredible um, you know, bring back Leroy Brown that shows Freddie's sense of fun, you know, with using, you know, look like a vaudeville music hall styling in, in songs. And, you know, yeah. you've got the, you've got the, uh, the absolute rock behemoth, you know, that is quintessential uh, Brian as well with, with, you know, uh, Brighton rock. Yeah. I mean, even like Stone Cold Crazy, which I know yeah. some people would kind of point to as like, inadvertently like the beginning of thrash metal like it's just yeah. you know yeah. uh, it doesn't literally there's something for everyone on the album and i think that's what's so great about it like no track is the same even yeah. kind of the three that bleed into each other you know tenement funster flick of the wrist lily of the valley that kind of three punch they're all totally different songs but they all yeah. flow in beautifully But Lily of the Valley as well. I mean that 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 co- that harkens back to Seven Seas of Rye because it quotes it. Yeah, absolutely. I think the messenger from Seven Seas has flown to tell the king of Rye he's lost his throne. You know. Yeah, it's yeah, like that, wow. And I think that's it. Obviously, there's loads of side that there's probably a couple more on there. But certainly, loads on Queen too, as we were saying, that relate to this kind of magical. Yeah magical world of rye that freddie and his sister kind of came up with when they were when they were kids and i know actually interestingly i'll have to find the information but there's a guy in australia who's written a novel which i believe he's got publishing rights for now um called the king of rye and it's based on kind of the queen songs and all of that kind of stuff so i'm really looking forward to that coming out because i'm certainly gonna gonna get a copy and see what he's what he's done with that sort of that mythology yeah and 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 stone cold crazy i'm i'm 
I was, I was surprised because I think it was a couple of years ago I was reading an article and they were talking to they were talking to somebody who was in a, a previous band that that, that uh, Freddie had been in and they were talking to a previous bassist as well in this article the one the person who'd been in Queen before before John yeah. been the bassist and they were essentially saying that actually Stone Cold Crazy was originally an idea of Freddie's and he actually brought it to each of those bands and and the riff is actually freddie's on the guitar yeah yeah which is just like, astonishing that, which like, is incredible you know that you don't yeah. think of freddie as a guitarist and he he plays down his guitar you know famously you know when he does um he, he does crazy little thing called love years later doesn't he and he, he yeah. comes up with that one oh this shitty guitar never plays the chords i want it to play and he's putting down <laughs> his playing but actually i mean even brian has said in interviews that that freddie came up with some incredible riffs on the guitar. Absolutely, absolutely. I think, you know, as we, you could talk about Queen for hours, you know, there's yep. so much, even Sheer Heart Attack, there's so much to dive into on that on that album. And I think it's just what makes it, you know, obviously I think a lot of people listening will certainly, you know, if, if you're someone who kind of cherry picks like classic albums, you probably have a Night at the Opera. And obviously The Game was a massive album in America. Yep. Um, but Sheer Heart Attack's definitely one to get hold of if you haven't got it already. Yeah, and in case you haven't listened to the the main episode, I will again. Well, I'll just affirm that you know, Innuendo is an incredible album, and you, you should have that oh, yeah. if you've got if you've got you know if you want great albums of my Queen, that's got to be in there as well. Ah, oh, definitely, definitely. So, what would be your number four then? So, number four would be Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. Wow. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I that's, think that's quite a relatively recent addition. You know what I mean? Like, I think okay. Fleetwood Mac were a band that when, you know, I never really listened to them at all when I was younger. Um, any iteration of Fleetwood Mac, it just wasn't something that, that I listened to. And I think that they're probably a product of the podcast in terms of me listening to them. Okay. Or it might be slightly, actually, no, it might have been around the same time. So I remember around the same time I started the podcast and I think I was, I was kind of telling this on the main, the, the, the main show that, you know, obviously I did that as a way to kind of support my mental health. Um, I also, that year I did a lot of gardening. I was outside a lot and I was gardening. And for some reason I started playing Fleetwood Mac and I was just doing a bit of a deep dive into Fleetwood Mac. And that's when I discovered rumors and I'm a huge Fleetwood Mac fan. Now I love Lindsay Buckingham and his solo stuff, hoping to go and see him later this year. Rumours is just, it's it's just such a relatable, like, just a relatable album, I feel like we've all been there, and I think that's why it stands that test of time so much, that the story behind it, you know, if, yep. and you don't need to know the story behind its production to enjoy it, but obviously, famously, you know, all these relationships and marriages within the band were kind of falling to bits, crumbling apart, and then they're still together recording this album. And I was lucky enough to talk to Ken Calley about his experiences working with Fleetwood Mac recording this album. And he wrote a fantastic book about it as well called Making Rumours. And just, you know, just, it's just amazing that out of all of that kind of toxicity and, and ill will and, and, and and such came this beautiful album, you know, and it's an album I could happily put on no matter what mood I'm in. If I'm happy, if I'm sad, if I'm, in a strop, <laughs> you know, whatever yep. it is, like rumors, I can just play it all the time. And I just think it's absolutely phenomenal. And I think a huge part of that for me, again, I've really, particularly in the last few months, I've really 
taking a dive into Lindsay Buckingham's solo career um, and hearing just what exactly of Lindsay is on that album. You know, I love, I mean, Never Going Back Again is one of my favourite Fleetwood Mac songs. Um, yeah. You know, I, I love his voice, you know, um, I love the way that he plays guitar. Like, so for me, I almost kind of lament the fact that it took me so long to discover Fleetwood Mac, to be honest. Um, but here we are. Um, but it's, yeah, Rumours, absolutely, you know, I just think it's a phenomenal album. But I think, again, the, self, the self-titled the self from the Buckingham Knicks era also is is, is a close-run yeah. one as well. Another fantastic album. I, th- I think the first Fleetwood Mac album that they were both on, actually, Buckingham and Knicks, was a great album as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I mean I've, I've, got a lot, I've got a heck of a lot of time for Lindsay. Um, mm-hmm. he's, got, he's got a very interesting technique with playing the guitar, it, it, it's it's Quintus. It's it's definitely his sound as well. Yeah. There's there's nobody else that plays the guitar or sounds like Lindsay when he plays. Yeah. Um, but I've also got time for him as well because it's it's somebody who, even though the rest of the band while they were doing the the rumors and you know that was that lineup, he he always had this sort of respect for for the for the previous people as well i mean i've seen pictures of him and 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 know that he's he's you know praised uh pete you know peter green which i mean you have to because peter green was a was a genius as well of, of the band initially yeah. um yeah. so there's that as well you know where some bands might you know re- renounce the earlier incarnations it's like he acknowledged it even though the rest of the band didn't so much and they weren't touching that material as much then and I think there's been a bit more of an acceptance of that material since then in the main band yeah uh, but Rumours is one of those albums where um, they worked damn hard to get that album made and it like yeah. I said in difficult circumstances but you've got the best of all five of them there, even down to some incredible rhythm work by Mick and John on there. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's, I think what I like about Lindsay's songwriting is it's like the, it's a lot of time. It's like, it's the ugly side of, of love, which is very real. And it's quite, it can be a hard listen sometimes, but like, I think that's important. And even, you know, like I say, I mean, I'd send them in show about how Roger Taylor from Queen, that his solo album was my favorite album from last year. It was so hard to choose between that and Lindsay Buckingham's album from last year. So even now he's still creating this amazing music. And, you know, obviously that was the album that arguably was a big reason as to why he's left Fleetwood Mac. And I think that's a huge shame, but again, talking about the album he's released last year, if that's the music we got out of it, you know, so be it. Cause again, he's just, I just think he's absolutely absolutely phenomenal again talking about dream guests which we were a little bit i would love to to see kind of who Lindsay buckingham would would choose as his classic album i think that would be really interesting absolutely so what would be your number three number three um this is probably less of a surprise thing about the conversation that we've uh that we've been having tonight uh would be def leopard's hysteria that's uh, my number three okay that's yeah. yeah brilliant yeah incredible yeah yeah, and I think again a very different album to say something like Rumours that you know was a lot more kind of earnest and and you know kind of of the moment. Obviously, you know Mutt Lang and that production. It's a very technical album. You know everything is it got sheen to it. It's perfect. But I think for me, you know Def Leppard were a band that I discovered in my teens. 
um, I think through Queen. I think I'd watched the Freddie Mercury tribute concert and seen, yep. obviously, Joe Elliott singing Tie Your Mother Down and the guys doing back and vocals and all the young dudes and all that stuff and thinking, yeah, I want to dive into that band. And I just think that, you know, the songs on it, I mean, obviously, there's like Pour Some Sugar On Me, Armageddon It, Animal, the Rocket, you know, these amazing, amazing songs. But I think for me, it's... You know, even even you know, like love and affection that closed the album, run riot. And I'd said this when I managed when I got to interview Phil. One thing I did say to him, and I said, at the risk of sounding like a total fanboy, now I've got you here. I just need to tell you, run riot is one of my favorite Def Leppard songs, if not my yes, favorite. Yes, I remember you saying that. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. And and I think he really appreciated that because I think it's a song that maybe gets lost amongst these massive hits. And I think obviously the band wanted to produce kind of the hard rock version of Thriller. And I think they absolutely succeeded because I think they could have released any of those songs as a single. And they did release most of them. Um, I think they could have released any of them and, and had a hit. I just think it's a phenomenal album from top to bottom. Yep. And I mean, that, that's 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 a funny one, that one with Run Right, because wasn't that one of the two songs where he said that he wasn't sure that they quite hit the mark that they were after? Yeah, I think it was Run Right and Don't Shoot, Don't Shotgun. shoot Shotgun. Yeah. Mm. Um, which I th- you know and I think that that's why it was important for me to say that to him that you know for me Run Riot is that's just oh I love it it's there's something perfect about that song for me but then again this is going back to what we were talking about earlier that you know sometimes you know even the artists themselves could be like well this wasn't my finest moment but there's someone there in the world who's like actually that was your finest moment you know that was amazing so just it's all about how we all kind of process and digest music I guess Absolutely. So what would you say is number two then? So number two, and I would say that the, the number three and number two were probably the closest together. You know, they, 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 they might be guilty of switching once or twice, but number two would be Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Um, I just think it's, I mean, for me, I, I always joke, if if you could buy me as an action figure, I'd come with a T-shirt with the Appetite for Destruction album cover on because I've always got, I've always got that T-shirt. I wear it until it's all faded and, torn and baggy or whatever and then i buy another one and i think for me that was just an important album in terms of me discovering other music and other bands so like i'd said on the main show nirvana was maybe a bit of a gateway because of my friendship with nathan and then i remember being in the lake district on holiday putting the and i think i talk about this on the episode about appetite for destruction i bought a compilation album that was like the best rock anthems ever or something like that and sweet child of mine was on it and i'd never heard a guns and roses song before in my life um so my first exposure to Guns N' Roses was that iconic riff of Sweet Child of Mine. Um, and it literally, this will sound like I'm being, like I'm embellishing the story, but genuinely not. I'm sat in the back of my mum and dad's car, that riff comes in, and I had to stop the CD player because it just, like it took me aback. Like I'd never heard anything like that before. And I had to start the song again before we'd even kicked into the song properly. So Sweet Child, from, Sweet Child of Mine will always be, well, it is. It's my favourite song of all time, and I think it always will be. But the rest of the album, you know, Welcome to the Jungle, Paradise City. I think Mr. Brownstone's awesome. It's so easy. Rocket Queen. Like, there's just amazing tracks on there. I've seen, well, I'm hoping to see the current Guns N' Roses lineup this year. It's been postponed twice because of COVID, but I did see when I kind of dub Axel and Friends a couple of times during the yeah. Chinese democracy era. But to hear those songs live is amazing. And I saw Slash in 2010 at a festival, and when he broke into Sweet Child of Mine, again, I got that same rush of feelings that I got the first time um, because he because the man was there and he was playing it. Um, and I think that's it's amazing that music can do that to you. It can just get you in a moment. 
Um, and I think that's what I love so much about that album. There's certainly, uh, certainly nostalgia there. But again, it's just, it's just a, again, <laughs> I think I've said it about all of them, just a great album from top to bottom. So I've, I've actually got that on vinyl, Appetite for Destruction, <clears throat> in, uh, in this record box at the side of me. Um, and Slash, I saw Slash's Snake Pit oh, uh, nice. live at Rock City when they were doing the tour for the first Slash's Snake Pit album. So, mm. so I saw him with uh, is it Eric Dover and, um, and uh, Matt on drums. And uh, oh, the bass player from Alice in Chains. Oh, I can't remember his name. Why can I not remember his name? Mike, is it Mike Hines? Yep. And um, and he had uh, he had Gilby on guitar with him then as well. Ah, oh, yeah. No, I would love to have seen that. And that that was that was an incredible gig. That was. Yeah, and, oh, uh, no, absolutely. And. Um, I'm about to swear with this one. So I went to see them with two friends of mine who were in a, were in a rock trio at the time. And mm. uh, my, the other two members of the band, they were there as well. And uh, I remember my friend of mine or whatever, you know, he was there and, you know, slash famously, you know, smokes like a trooper. Yeah. And um, so this friend of mine just threw up the, the this packet of Marlborough cigarettes that he had on him and, uh, and slash just gets on the microphone and he says, thanks for the fucking cigarettes. <laughs> oh nice nice so the number one then and this will not be a surprise to me and i'm sure nope. it won't be a surprise to your listeners either but it might be a surprise to people who've not heard you before so here we go yeah absolutely so my number one album of all time um, and again very much a nostalgic choice but uh, my number one is bad out of hell by meatloaf um Again, I think that comes from Raiden, my mum and dad's music collection. Um, so obviously there was there was Queen, there was Bowie, there was Elton, and then there was Meatloaf. There was about a hell one and two in there. Um, but it's always one that I, that I go back to. I've been lucky enough to see him a, f- a few times live. The last time I saw him, he, he sang the album all the way through, but his voice is really kind of... It, obviously, it's, it, it's yeah. not what it used to be, unfortunately. But there's just... And we did a really, really, again, to celebrate, it's, I think, three of those albums, actually. Um, we celebrated anniversaries. Um, so Def Leppard's was a 30, 30th anniversary episode. Um, Rumours was 40, and so was Bound to Hell. And I had, I spoke with a lady called Jacqueline Dillon, who's still a good friend, and she, uh, she was a good friend and a kind of a confidant for, for Jim Steinman. Um, and we had a really deep conversation about Battle of Hell, which only kind of um, improved my my love of it. But I think it's just, it's, it's just, it, it's, I can't even put it into words. It, it, it's just, there's just something about it. It's so kind of bombastic and dramatic and it sets your heart racing. And, you know, the title track is 10 minutes long, which is just insane. Like, yeah, it's yeah. just everything about it. And there's only seven tracks on the album. I think the one that I had when I was little had Dead Ringer for Love kind of popped on the end. But obviously that is from a different album. But, yeah. you know, like, uh, I think, again, one of my earliest music memories, we talked about my first one on the main show, but one of my earliest ones was listening to Two Out of Three Ain't Bad. You know, yep. so even from a young age, I had no concept what that song was about, but it, I, I was aware there was some drama in there. I was aware it was, and it felt important. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I just think the cover. I think as as a child looking at that cover, it was like, wow, like there's so much going on here. It was, you know, 
trying to get, get get your head around it and you know so i think for me meatloaf and you know again meatloaf someone i've dove it really dove into his career like with and without jim steinman um you know he's done some fantastic albums mm. um even kind of more more recently but for me he's just never topped about hell and that's not a disservice to him because you know about hell 2 is amazing a lot of people don't like about hell 3 but I, I do i enjoy it i you yep. know I, I love a lot of his 80s stuff that maybe you know blind forest stops a bit of a guilty pleasure of mine even though it's totally different to anything else he's ever done definitely um, yeah but but bad hell it's just for me it just stands there as this this amazing album and it's like sometimes like my head might think like oh you know i might really get into an album like rumors for example and i might think like do i like rumors more than that and i'll sit and i think about it but the moment i put bad hell on and you know those those initial chords i'm like no this this is my classic album and it, it always will be like it's you know my my heart is with bad hell uh, it's it's just amazing yeah, I mean, it, it it doesn't really need any extra. It, it's like if if you did put another song on there. I mean, uh, "Dead Ringer for Love" is a is a great song, but it doesn't work with the album "Bat Out of Hell." It's like you add anything yeah. else to the to the album "Bat Out of Hell," it's like padding. Yeah, essentially, yeah, exactly. you, you know, yeah. if you put, in, you know, it's, it's perfect as it is with those seven songs, and I mean, they are, in, you know, we we're talking in the, in the main body of the show about, you know, Queen's theatricality and bombast in some rock bombast in some ways. I mean, you, you can't get much more theatrical in the rock world and bombastic than 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 you know Jim Steinman compositions. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you look at you know uh, "Paradise by the Dashboard Light" with the the two way between between me Loaf and um, and uh, Ellen Foley. Yeah, and, you know, and it's just and the production of Todd Rundgren, and mm-hmm. and I know there's you know there's accusations in a sense, you know, at the time where they were saying, "Oh, you you've stolen the production sound of Born to Run." Yeah, but, you know, it's. It's very difficult not to sound a bit like Born to Run when you've got half of the E Street band as the backing band. <laughs> this is true. Really? And catches, yeah. And I think it's, it's just, for me, I, the, 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 there's definitely a nod to it anyway. Um, yeah. And I think that's okay. I think that I think that's fine. You know, there's certainly that. I think it kind of takes Born to Run and then just turns the volume right up, <laughs> which I think is great. I, I don't think it needs to be seen as as a as an awful thing that they've done. That I, th- I think mm-hmm. it's more of a, you know, more of a. Uh, I, I'd take it as a compliment in a sense if it was me. If they were saying, "Oh, we want to sound like that," because both yeah. albums are rightfully seen as classic albums because Born to Run is an incredible album as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, Todd Rungan's production on there and then his guitar work on there, here and there as well, is astounding. And, you, you know, you, it is... But you've got all different types of song there as well. You know, you talk about, you know, Paradise with the, by the Dashboard Light is the two-way. But you can't get any more different from that than the beautiful and poignant heaven can wait yeah which is oh, a beautiful song yeah. and even for crying out loud and i know yeah. you know obviously what i tend to do with the anniversary ones is i let the listeners choose their favorite song from the album and for crying out loud one um right. which i was really surprised at but obviously it's there's certainly a pocket of people who 
for them, obviously, it's 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 very epic in a very different way to Power to Hell. Um, speaking speaking of Heaven Can Wait, Ellen Foley released a, a new album last year, and I believe she does a cover of Heaven Can Wait. Okay. Um, she sang it originally in the Neverland musical. That yeah. uh, you know, so again, that's something worth checking out. If uh, I know there'll be, I know obviously there's a lot of uh, Steinman fans out there, so absolutely worth worth checking out her album. Yep, um, going go to Meatloaf's career as, it, as itself. I mean, I even think that the follow-up Dead Ringer is a, is a great album. Oh, I love Dead Ringer. It it has yeah. arguably my favourite Meatloaf song on, uh, which is more than you deserve. Um, Ooh, that's I, nice. I love that song. Love that song. It probably, I think, if you were to ask me my favourite Meatloaf song, that's probably where I land. Yeah, I think there's some really good good songs on there. You've got that. Uh, uh, what else? Um, Peel Out, I like that one. Oh, um, Peel Out, yeah. That's a fantastic song. I'm trying to think of all the other songs. Um, is it I'm Gonna Love Her For Both Of Us as well? That's on there. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, so you've got that. Um, there's, bits of, there's bits of the third album where, where, you know, there's no sign whatsoever of Jim, you know, so Midnight mm-hmm. at the Lost and Found, there's bits that I like about that. And as much as, you know, Meatloaf might, put down his own songwriting. I think the title track is actually a decent song. I like the title track. And I like as well, um, I like his, his cover of the Pro- of the Promised Land um, yes. of the album. Yeah. I think when I was when I was younger and I was really getting into Meatloaf, that's an album I dismissed quite a lot. And then I kind of rediscovered it when I got older. Um, and there is there's some fantastic tracks on that album. Um, again, like you said, Jim's nowhere to be found, but there's still some really some really nice tracks there. Yeah, I mean, that, that version of Promised Land, that's actually the first version I ever heard of that mm-hmm. song. Yeah. I'd never heard it before then. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, it sort no, of forced me to look back and go, well, yeah. where did this come from then? Yeah, no, his, his, his voice was absolutely amazing. It, it, it's a shame, obviously, with kind of what's happened over the years that, you know, his voice isn't... And, you know, obviously, like I saw like Ronnie James Dio the year, the year before he passed, and I've seen Paul Rogers. So, you know, obviously some people do get into those kind of senior years and and their voice can still stand but for whatever reason meatloaf's hasn't i think it's just kind of the demand that he put on it over the years and you know he, he was always a showman to see live i saw him a few times but yeah. you know it, it was a shame that i didn't get to see him in his heyday because i think that would have been absolutely absolutely amazing well he's had some really bad um, spells as well hasn't he with illness as well over the yeah. years recently absolutely as well. yeah he has but, yeah um, god i could i could talk i could talk about meatloaf for hours as well because <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. from there I go on to Bad Attitude and I pull out songs from Bad Attitude mm-hmm. that I like as well. Like I, I like oh, the, yeah. I like the version of Nowhere Fast. I like Nowhere Fast on yes. there. Um, yeah, Cheating uh, in Your Dreams. Yes, mm-hmm. that's is that the one that? No, that's not the one that. Oh, Sailor to a Siren. I think that's great. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 as well. Um, yeah, I could keep going on. Mm-hmm. Cheating in Your Dreams is that the one that John John Parr wrote for him? Or I can't <laughs> remember. I know there is a John Paul that. number on there. I think it might be that one because I know on the next album he's on Rock and Roll Mercenaries. Rock and Roll Mercenaries, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think John Paul might write Cheating in Your Dreams actually. Yeah, I think, but then I think you've he got did. One, you've got one more Kiss on there as well on the, that next mm-hmm. album, Blind Before You Before I Stop, which I think is a great song. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, yeah, I think that's an album miss that at your peril really because obviously it's very of its time it's very 80s but it's i really enjoy it i think it's a, a guilty pleasure of mine blind before i stop 
Yeah, and going going back actually to the previous album again, Bad, Bad Attitude, you've got that fantastic duet with uh, Roger Taylor on the sound on the title track. No, Roger Roger Daltrey. Mm. Roger Daltrey, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, no, it's yeah. There's plenty to be found in. in I've often thought about maybe doing episodes where I go through a discography, um, similar to kind of what we're doing now. I think that could be be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's we're go, we're going down. Oh, I, I like this. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Dear me. And, uh, anyway, thank you very much. Thanks for that, Mike. No, no worries at all. Thank you very much. So, um, since this is going out as separate, you can tell people again, you know, how to, where to find you oh, and yeah. how to get hold of you. Absolutely. So, if you want to listen to my classic album, um, obviously on Facebook, you can just search for our name and we've got a group there. Um, over on Instagram, it's My Classic Album Podcast. On Twitter, it's at MCA underscore podcast. Um, and all of that information, all of our episodes, everything you need is at www.myclassicalbum.co.uk. Okay. Thank you very much, Mike. I'm going to press mm. stop now and wait cool. for it to upload. Okay.